Welcome to another edition of Sean's Sports Show, the daily podcast about sports. This is episode number 99, and I am coming at you from Los Angeles, California on Tuesday, June 19th, 2018. Today, I will be reporting as well as giving my take on the breaking news inside the world of sports. I'm also going to be covering the results and future matchups of the Los Angeles sports teams and the results and future matchups of the 2018 FIFA World Cup. So the first thing that I'm going to be um, reporting has to do with NBA basketball and Kawhi Leonard specifically. So uh, the San Antonio Spurs don't want to help the Los Angeles Lakers by trading them Kawhi Leonard, but they would consider it in the right situation. Mark Stein of the New York Times broke down the situation on Monday via ESPN Los Angeles, tweeting, quote, they clearly do not want to do business with the Lakers, but if the Lakers could assemble uh, the best deal, if the Lakers could use their assets to bring in a third team and San Antonio gets the most out of a trade from the Lakers, they would do it. Chris Haynes of ESPN.com previously reported that Kawhi Leonard, quote, wants out of San Antonio. Tanya Ganguly of of the Los Angeles Times reported the Lakers, Quote, have long been Leonard's preferred destination, although they are concerned about the extent of his injury. The 26-year-old played only nine games last season while dealing with a, a quadriceps injury. Leonard can also, hit a, can also hit free agency next summer if he opts out of his current deal. The fact that the Spurs are at least considering a move involving the Lakers could be all LA needs to get a deal done. The question is what would be necessary to make it work. Los Angeles has several quality young players such as Brandon Ingram, Alonzo Ball, and Kyle Kuzma. Any of them could help facilitate a possible three-team trade involving the Spurs. So uh, that's that. Personally, my take is I'm, I'm very surprised that the Spurs would even consider doing business with the Lakers. And um, I hope Kawhi gets traded to the Lakers as a Laker fan. So uh, switching gears now to Chris uh, Porzingis and the New York Knicks. New York Knicks legend and color commentator Walt Clyde Frazier expressed some doubt that a max contract extension for Knicks star Chris Porzingis is a formality. Speaking to ESPN.com's Ian Begley, Frazier said the team is, quote, in a real quagmire about Porzingis since he suffered a torn ACL in February. Quote, the Knicks have been burned so often with paying guys and then they don't produce. Frazier said, will Porzingis return to his normal form? It's tough to tell. To some extent, the worry over Porzingis has merit. Uh, Begley noted that that 2018 noted that the 2018 All-Star is unlikely to return before December, and Knicks owner James Dolan raised the possibility of him missing the entire 2018-19 season. Derrick Rose is likely to be um, cautionary tale in terms of how a major knee injury can have significant long-term consequences for even the brightest of young talents, as he was the NBA MVP, and he, now he's a shell of his former self. Jabari Parker is another example on a slightly lesser scale. And unlike most franchises, the Knicks aren't necessarily in a position to where they have to re-sign Porzingis, regardless of the cost and risk. New York City is one of the biggest media markets in the NBA. If the Knicks can show they're headed in a positive direction, which is a big if after the past few years, then the franchise can compete for the biggest free agents and trade targets with or without Chris Stapps. The 22-year-old is set to be a restricted free agent in 2019, so him missing the entire season is the worst-case scenario for the Knicks. They wouldn't have any idea what kind of player he'll be post-ACL injury. Ultimately, the odds are the Knicks re-sign Porzingis. He's 7'3 and a 36.1% shooter from 3-point range. He was averaging 22.7 points, 6.6 rebounds, and 2.4 blocks per uh, per game before getting hurt. And um, there aren't many players in the league who possess his overall potential.
it may um, behoove New York to get Forzingis under contract before he hits free agency. That way, the team could pursue injury protections uh, in his extension, similar to to those that the Philadelphia 76ers received in Joel Embiid's max deal last fall. So this is very interesting. And uh, personally, I think that uh, Porzingis does um, deserve the max contract simply because of how young he is. It just it just makes sense for the Knicks to keep Chris S. Porzingis considering that he's their best player, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, that's that. That's my take on that. Uh, now switching gears to college football and the University of Oklahoma specifically. Um, Lionel Riley's first season as head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners went so well that it reportedly has earned him an extension and a raise. According to OUDailies.com, Keegan Renew, the Oklahoma Board of uh, Regents has approved a new deal that extends Riley's contract through the 2023 season and bumps his salary up to $5 million per year, including incentives. Per Renew, the Sooners coach was previously scheduled to make $3.1 million plus incentives. It was just more than one year ago that longtime Oklahoma coach Bob Stoops stepped down after 18 years on the job. With a career record of 190 and 48, including 10 Big 12 titles and a national championships, national championship, Stoops left big shoes to fill. Riley was uh, more than up to that task, at least in year one anyway. In his first season as head coach, Riley led his team to a 12-2 record and the second college football playoff appearance in school history. His debut campaign was highlighted by a road victory at Ohio State in, in just his second game, victories over rival te- rivals Texas and Oklahoma State, as well as a pair of victories over TCU. And while the game did not end in Oklahoma's favor, they held a 17-point lead in the Rose Bowl before falling to Georgia in a double overtime game that was very good and very fun to watch. Riley's squad was the third highest scoring team in the nation with Sooners quarterback Baker Mayfield becoming uh, the Heisman Trophy winner and ultimately being taken with the number one overall pick in the 2018 NFL Draft. It would have been easy for Oklahoma to struggle out of the gate and have a transitional year after a surprising coaching change. However, Riley had his players focus on playing at a high level from week one. The Sooners may not have been the uh, last team standing, but the Board of Regents believed he has the program headed in the right direction. And I believe he does, personally. I think this is a good move mutually for uh, for Riley and for the Sooners as well. So now switching gears uh, back to the NBA. Uh, this has to do with the Milwaukee Bucks and Sterling Brown specifically. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks uh, guard Sterling Brown filed a lawsuit against the city of Milwaukee and the Milwaukee Police Department on Tuesday, stemming from his January arrest during which he was tased. According to the Associated Press, Brown alleges in the lawsuit that he was the victim of of an unlawful arrest and excessive force. Brown's arrest con- occurred after an officer determined that he was illegally parked across multiple disabled spots outside of Walgreens. Multiple squad cars arrived on the scene and Brown was tased when he did not remove his hands from his pockets. After body camera footage of the arrest was released, Milwaukee uh, Police uh, Chief Alfonso Morales apologized and said, quote, the department conducted an investigation into the incident which revealed members acted inappropriately and those members were recently disciplined. Morales also disciplined three of the officers involved and ordered eight and ordered eight others to quote undergo remedial training in professional communications. In another video of the arrest obtained by TMJ4, officers could be heard discussing the fact that Brown was a Bucks player. One officer said there could be a quote media firestorm if Brown complained, and then added quote any little um, bleep thing that goes wrong is going to be oh the Milwaukee Police Department is all racist blah blah blah. In an interview with Good Morning America in May, Brown said he felt, quote, defenseless during the arrest and expressed his belief that the officers were trying to, quote, show their force. 
The Bucks selected Brown in the second round of the 2017 NBA draft out of SMU, and he averaged 4 points and 2.6 rebounds per game during his rookie campaign. So I'm not going to give my take on this. Uh, it's just a very unfortunate situation. But anyway, switching gears to the NHL and Mike Hoffman specifically, the Ottawa Senators traded forward Mike Hoffman to the San Jose Sharks, who then traded him to the Florida Panthers on Tuesday amid allegations his fiance Monica uh, Carrick harassed Sens defenseman Eric Carlson's wife online. Ottawa sent Hoffman defenseman, um, excuse me, Ottawa sent Hoffman defenseman Cody Donahue in a 2020 fifth round pick to San Jose for forward Mikhail Bodker, defenseman Julius Ber um, Bergman, and a 2026th round pick. Hoffman was then shipped to the Panthers along with a 2018 seventh round pick in exchange for Florida's 2019 second round pick, a 2018 fourth round selection, and a 2018 fifth round draft choice. Panthers general manager Dale Talon said, uh, told reporters that the Senators had contacted him last week regarding Hoffman, but the price was, quote, too high. Talon added that the Sharks called him last night regarding a deal for Hoffman. Uh, Shemini uh, Yogurtnam of the Ottawa Citizen reported last week that Melinda Carlson filed an order of protection against uh, Sarek, alleging Sarek harassed her for months on the internet and even wished her unborn child dead. The Carlsons had a stillborn child in March. Melinda Carlson also alleged that Sarek wrote that someone should, quote, take out Eric Carlson's legs to, quote, end his career. Hoffman vehemently denied the accusations and said he and Sarek support the Carlsons. Quote, there is a 150% chance that my fiance Monica and I are not involved in any of the accusations that have been pursued um, that are coming our way. Despite Hoffman's denial, his agent, Robert Hooper, acknowledged that the senators would likely need to trade either Carlson or his client. Quote, what we've indicated to Senators General Manager Pierre Dorian is that it would be very difficult for both parties, both Eric and Mike, as well as the wives and the fiancés, to coexist in the same wives' room and the same dressing room. The Senators needed Hooper's advice, and Hoffman is now set to resume his playing career in Florida. Hoffman has scored 20 or more goals in four straight seasons, and the 28-year-old veteran is coming off a 2017-18 season that saw him finish with 22 goals and 34 assists as one of the few bright spots for an Ottawa Senators team that struggled, to say the least. San Jose picked up a, few, a, slew, a slew of draft picks in the pair of deals, while Florida added a productive winger to a group of forwards that already includes Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Huberto, Vincent Trocek, Nick Bajugistad, and Evgeny Dodanov. Although the Panthers missed the playoffs in each of the past two seasons, they finished ninth in the Eastern Conference in 2017-18 with 96 points and fell just one point short of reaching the postseason. In Bodker, the Senators are getting a player who registered 15 goals and 22 assists for 30... Uh, for 37 points last season. The Denmark native is signed for two more seasons, meaning the Senators have flexibility regarding whether to trade him or keep him. Ottawa also picked up a promising 22-year-old defenseman in Bergman. He was a second-round pick in the 2014 NHL draft, and the Swedes scored 10 goals in 65 AHL games last season. For those of you that don't know, the AHL is the American Hockey League, much like the G League of the NBA. The Hoffman trade suggests that the Senators pick Carlson over him, but since Ottawa was terrible last season and Carlson is set to enter the final year of his deal, the two-time Norris Trophy winner may still be on the trading block as well. So this is uh, very interesting, and that's all that I'm going to say about that. Uh, now switching gears to um, the NFL. Uh, re representatives from the NFL received an invitation from the House Judiciary Committee to testify at a congressional hearing on sports betting, ESPN's David Purdom re reported on Tuesday. According to Purdom, the hearing is scheduled for June 26th. 
and it comes after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned a nearly nationwide ban on sports betting. A week after the ruling, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell released a statement asking elected officials, quote, to enact uniform standards for states that choose to legalize sports betting. Goodell also listed four conditions the NFL wants to see Congress pursue. Consumer protections, specific protections for the intellectual property of major sports leagues, readily available league data for fans and the ability to, for law enforcement officials to, quote, penalize bad actors here at home and abroad. According to ESPN's Ryan Rodenberg, sports betting is fully legal in Nevada, New Jersey, and Delaware, while Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Mississippi have passed legislation in preparation for legalization. Bills are also on the table in another 15 states. Although sports gambling is legalized on a state-by-state basis, Senator Orrin Hatch uh, from Utah announced in May that he planned to help Congress work towards setting a broad set of rules that would apply across the country. So uh, I'm happy with the progress that's being made personally. Now, uh, switching gears uh, back to the NFL, specifically Trey Young and the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is uh, interesting, to say the least. So, um, the Cleveland Cavaliers reportedly hosted Trey Young for a private workout on Saturday and have narrowed their targets to three. Jonathan Giovanni of ESPN.com reported the Cavs have identified Young and Shea Gilgis Alexander as their preferred selections should Michael Porter Jr. be off the board. The former Missouri Tiger has become a Cleveland management favorite as Thursday's draft approaches, but is likely to be taken before the number eight pick. Young had previously declined an opportunity to work out for the Cavs. Cleveland will enter the draft nearly blind. LeBron James's future uh, will dictate the franchise's outlook, but the four-time MVP has given no clues about whether he will play next season. James will be an, an, un, James will be an unrestricted free agent in July if he declines his player option for 2018-19 and is expected to be open to other suitors. If James stays, who's uh, if James stays, whoever Cleveland drafts at number eight likely won't have a long career with the team. The Cavs' roster is constructed to win now, not to develop a rookie. Young, who garnered Stephen Curry comparisons during his lone season at Oklahoma, could generate a number of offers around the league in the event that LeBron leaves. Young is a microwave scorer who could be ready to lead the Cavs' next group. On the other hand, James has spoken about Young on multiple occasions and sent out an Instagram post featuring the two. This could be a situation where the Cavs are considering Young to appease James's camp, who could see the guard as a Kyrie Irving replacement. That seems unlikely given the 33-year-old James's career timeline and the learning curve of NBA rookies, but it's possible. Personally, I don't think uh, that if Trey Young signs uh, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, I don't think if he signs with the Cleveland Cavaliers that LeBron James will stay. I just don't see that happening. So anyway, now switching gears uh, to the Memphis Grizzlies and Mohamed Bamba. If Memphis Grizzlies fans have their hearts set on Texas center Mo Bamba for Thursday night's draft, they may end up disappointed. According to ESPN.com's Jonathan Giovanni, quote, Bamba has refused to come out to work for Memphis, refused to share his medicals, and has told them openly he would prefer not to be in Memphis. Memphis is within Bamba's expected draft range, with most mock drafts slotting him between number three to the Atlanta Hawks and number six to the Orlando Magic. Bleacher reporter Jonathan Wasterman has him at number three, ESPN's Draft Insiders project him to go number four to Memphis. Jeremy Wu of SI.com, the Ringer staff, and Jeff Zilgit, Michael Singer, and Sam Amick of USA Today have him going number six to Orlando. As uh, Jonathan Wasterman of Bleacher Report noted, quote, Bamba's 7'10 wingspan and potential as a shooter combined to fuel one of the most unique cases of upside in recent memory, adding he has, quote, game-changing rim protection. His fit with the Grizzlies, however, is questionable considering his, the team already has Marcus Gasol at center. 
if the Grizzlies are seeking to retool on the fly and compete for the postseason next year, either trading the pick or selecting a player who would fit more seamlessly next to Gasol and Mike Conley in the short term, someone like Luka Doncic, Marvin Bagley III, or even Michael Porter Jr. would make more sense. But if the Grizzlies are seeking to undergo a full rebuild and sell off Marc Gasol and Conley, Bamba is more logical. As Javoni wrote in ESPN's mock draft, quote, the Grizzlies are hoping to patch together a roster that can compete for a playoff spot next season, but it feels like a teardown and rebuild would be the most would be the more appropriate step. Bamba has unlimited upside as a rim-protecting, three-point shooting, lob-catching freak. He has a real chance to become the best player from, BR, uh, from uh, this draft class. In that scenario, Bamba makes sense, but the young center appears to be safeguarding against the possibility with his lack of interest in joining the Grizzlies. And personally, I don't think that the Memphis Grizzlies should uh, should take Muhammad Bamba. And um, I don't think um, I just don't think the Grizzlies should take him either because he doesn't want to be there. So it makes sense mutually for them to not work things out. So uh, switching gears now to Michael Porter Jr. Um, NBA prospect Michael Porter Jr. certainly doesn't lack for confidence. In an interview with Damian Amendolara of CBS Sports Radio, he compared his game to that of Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, and Tracy McGrady. Quote, right now I would say I'm a mix of Giannis and KD, Porter said on the DA show. I like going to the hole in a, little more, more than, a little more than KD does. I like bumping into people and I'm a little more physical than KD. But I like to shoot the ball a little more than Giannis. So that's what I like to compare myself to. And also Tracy McGrady, I get compared to him a lot, and I like that one a lot too. Um, those are three amazing players. It doesn't feel bad to be in the same conversation as them. If Porter ends up being an accurate comparison to any of those three players, he'll make an NBA organization very, very happy. Where he's drafted, however, is another story altogether. Coming into the 2017-18 season, he was a candidate to be the top overall pick and was considered one of the best prospects in the sport. But a back injury limited him to only three games for Missouri, leaving his draft stock in flux. Porter could potentially go as high as number two, or he could be closer to number 10. No player has a more unpredictable range of possibilities come draft night, other than Leangelo Ball, in my opinion. As for Porter's assessment of his game, how do they measure up to what draft experts say? Bleacher Report's Jonathan Wasterman has called him a, a quote, pro-level scorer who's shown he can take over games, though he added that, his, quote, handle only allows him to attack in straight lines and that he isn't particularly creative with his dribble. That means his primary means uh, for creating his own shot is often just rising and firing over his man because he can at his height even if he's off balance. Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer, meanwhile, said Porter's game has shades of an athletic Keith Van Horn, Otto Porter Jr., and Harrison Barnes. Jeremy Wu of SI.com also uh, made the Barnes comparison, though he, though he added, Quote, Porter's well-rounded offensive game makes him the kind of player most any team could find a way to use. If he can get back to full strength and tap into his full potential, this comparison will look underwhelming. Players like Van Horn and Barnes are um, decidedly a few tiers down from Durant, Antetokounmpo, and McGrady. The latter players also didn't enter the NBA with the medical concerns that hover over Porter's future. As Sam Amick of USA Today wrote, quote, Porter Jr. is two things that aren't so easily reconciled, a talent so tantalizing, that you can see him give that you could see him giving a Hall of Fame speech someday, and a 19-year-old whose back problems might wind up short-circuiting his budding career. For NBA teams, the cost-benefit will likely come down to whether they think Porter ha is a potential superstar talent with tinges of Durant and the Greek Freak, or a very good future player close um, closer to the mold of Barnes. Teams that see the former will likely look past the injury concerns. Doing so worked out for the Philadelphia 76ers after they drafted Joel Embiid. 
Teams who don't believe Porter has the upside of a truly elite player, however, likely won't be so quick to dismiss his medical history. So that's that. Uh, personally, my take on this is I like the confidence, but I wouldn't get too carried carried away yet if I'm Michael Porter Jr. simply because he hasn't played an NBA game yet. So now switching gears back to the NFL or the CFL specifically, I should say, kind of a big a mix in between uh, having to do with Terrell Owens. Wide receiver Terrell Owens hasn't played in the NFL since the 2010 season and is 44 years old, but that reportedly hasn't stopped the Canadian Football League team from demonstrating interest in him. According to David William Taylor of TSN, the Edmonton Eskimos added the, added the former San Francisco 49ers, Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Cowboys, Buffalo Bills, and Cincinnati Bengals playmaker to their negotiation list. There's no questioning the 2018 Hall of Fame inductee's resume from a, productive, from a production standpoint considering he was a six-time Pro Bowler and five-time first-team All-Pro selection, who is all over the receiving record books. His 1,078 receptions are eighth all-time, his 15,934 receiving yards are second all-time, and his 153 touchdowns catches are third all-time. Uh, while there are certainly questions about his age and whether he will continue to be such a dominant force, uh, if he if he inks a contract with the Eskimos, he did turn heads recently with a blistering 40-yard dash time as Fox Sports shared. Uh, he ran a 4-4. Uh, that type of speed would be a problem for opposing secondaries, and Owens was always a physical receiver during his career who was capable of battling through traffic and coming down with contested catches. The days of Owens serving as one of the best receivers in the NFL are over, but the Eskimos apparently liked what they saw from the 44-year-old given his given this latest move. So personally, um, I think that uh, Terrell Owens should call it a career and not come back, but... If he is really, um, you know, if he really wants to, then I think the Eskimos should give him a shot, uh, personally. So switching gears now to um, Brandon Morrow and the Chicago Cubs. This is pretty interesting. Uh, here's a new one. Chicago Cubs closer Brandon Morrow wasn't available um, for Tuesday's game against the Los Angeles Dodgers because he tweaked his back while taking off his pants. Uh, Morrow explained that he experienced back spasms quote, taking my pants off at, quote, like 3 a.m. on Monday after the Cubs returned to the Windy City following a three-game set with the St. Louis Cardinals, according to the Athletics' Patrick Mooney. It's frustrating anytime you can't get out there, and especially when you can't go uh, when you can't go because of something stupid like taking your pants off, he added. Morrow isn't the first Cubs player to hurt his back in strange fashion. 14 years ago, slugger Sammy Sosa suffered a sprained ligament in his back following a couple of big sneezes and, land and landed on the disabled list. Morrow will hope to avoid the same fate. So that's uh, pretty funny. Anyway, switching gears. Now back to the NBA and uh, back talking about Michael Porter Jr. Um, also with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, don't expect Missouri forward Michael Porter Jr. to get past the Cleveland Cavaliers when they select 8th during Thursday's NBA draft. According to Joe Varden of Cleveland.com, Quote, several sources ranging from NBA executives to agents to scouts told Cleveland.com that the Cavs would most likely draft Porter if they could. The team naturally will not com comment on his draft strategy. Few players have a wider variance of potential landing spots and a few teams have more uncertainty heading into the draft than the Cavaliers. Porter, who missed most of his only season at Missouri with a back injury, um, is considered one of the top prospects as I already covered. Uh, so this is very interesting. Uh, you know, it's very in inconsistent in terms of where people think he's going to go. Bleacher Report, Jonathan Wasterman has, has him going to number seven to the, to the Chicago Bulls. Jeremy Wu of SI.com sees him coming off the board at number five to the Dallas Mavericks. 
ESPN's group of NBA insiders projects him to go number six to the Orlando Magic. The Ringer has him going number four to the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Jeff Zilgit, Michael Singer, and Sam Amick of USA Today envision him being selected by the Kings at number two. And David Aldridge of NBA.com sees him dropping all the way to the New York Knicks at number nine. So nobody really has a clue where he's going to be taken. And this is very interesting. Now, switching gears back to the MLB. Uh, this is pretty uh, funny. This has to do with uh, Hunter Strickland and the San Francisco Giants. Uh, San Francisco Giants closer Hunter Strickland reportedly punched a door after blowing a save Monday night against the Miami Marlins, fracturing his pitching hand in the process, according to Alex Pavlovich of, of NBC Sports Bay Area. Strickland will require surgery and will be out at least six to eight weeks per Pavlovich. According to Jerry McDonald of the Mercury News, he fractured his right pinky finger. Quote, after the game, he had a little snap and punched the door. Giants manager Bruce Bochy said Tuesday, per McDonald, the closer he got to have a... Uh, the closer he, he, the closer, excuse me, the closer has got to have emotional control. Bochy continued, according to Pavlovich, we all get frustrated and that's a tough loss and a gut-wrenching loss. I'm sure he felt full responsibility. He didn't think before it happened. I'm thoroughly disappointed. Trust me, I'm crushed because this guy has grown as a pitcher and a person. I know Hunter cares deeply. Um, Str uh, Strickland entered Monday's game with a four and two lead, with four to two lead, but promptly gave up three runs on two walks and three hits. He retired only one hitter in the inning. "Quote: It's unacceptable," uh, Strickland said after the game. "Obviously, I'm not thrilled about it right now. I didn't do my job, so I'll go watch video and figure out what I have to do better. Nothing seemed to be right or working for me. It just sucked in general." Strickland, who's 29 years old, is three and three this season with a 2.84 ERA, 1.23 WHIP. 29 strikeouts and 31 in 31.2 innings and 13 saves in 17 opportunities. He was solid in the closer's role with Mark Melanson out of action following pronator surgery. With Strickland now on the shelf and Melanson not physically ready for closing duties, Tony Watson and Sam Dyson will assume the ninth inning gig. According to Pavlovich, quote, Bochi said one of them will get the lion's share of the save opportunities. So that's that. Now the last breaking news story of the day that we will be covering has to do with Trey Young and the NBA draft. Uh, Trey Young was one of the nation's best college players at Oklahoma and figures to hear his name called uh, early during Thursday's NBA draft, but at least one anonymous scout wouldn't consider selecting him. Cody could be really uh, damn good, but I also could see him being a backup point guard. The scout told Jake Fisher and Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated, I wouldn't touch him. I'd be the GM uh, w where if he becomes a superstar, it's okay to pass. The scout pointed to concerns about Young's frame and ability to play defense in the NBA, even while praising his vision as a passer and electric shooting abilities. While some see sm a small guard who can shoot the lights out and immediately think of Golden State Warriors playmaker Stephen Curry, the scout was quick to note that asking Young to replicate the two-time league MVP and three-time champion is an unrealistic expectation. Quote, to me, he's a wannabe Steph, and there's only one Steph. He feels more like an Eddie House where he might have big games, but the turnovers, lack of size, lack of defense. Young had plenty of big games in his lone season at Oklahoma. The consensus All-American led the country in points with 27.4 and assists with 8.7 per game while shooting 36% from three-point range. However, he also averaged 5.2 turnovers a night and often got himself in trouble trying to do too much for the Sooners. Bleacher Report Jonathan Wasserman projected Young to go number six overall to the Orlando Magic in his latest mock draft. In that scenario, the Oklahoma product would be tasked with providing much-needed star power right away for a struggling franchise. While this anonymous scout doesn't think Young can live up to that billing, he flashes overall potential and high ceiling throughout this past season. Look for him to come off the board at some point in the first 10 picks. So that's that. Uh, and that's all we have for the breaking news in sports.
Um, but first of all, I want to say that uh, this is this is very interesting, uh, to say the least. Uh, I don't like that these scouts are always anonymous. I think they should reveal who they are because that seems like, uh, you know, that seems cowardly to me personally. But um, anyway, that's all we have for the breaking news in the sports. Now covering the uh, results and future matchups of the Los Angeles sports teams, starting with the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers um, opened up a series against the Chicago Cubs today because the game yesterday got postponed due to rain. The Dodgers, uh, it was a doubleheader today. The Dodgers won the first one 4-3, to three, a big win. And the second one at the time of this recording on 8.17 p.m. Pacific, 11.17 p.m. Eastern. Um, the game is 1-1 in the top of the 10th inning, the second the second game of the doubleheader. After today's game concludes, the next game is tomorrow at 11.20 a.m. Pacific, um, 2.20 p.m. Eastern uh, against the Cubs as they uh, close out the series. And uh, that's all we have for the Dodgers. Now the uh, Los Angeles Angels. Uh, the Angels played the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, yesterday in an interleague matchup and lost 7-4. to four. Uh, At the time of this recording, they are tied 1-1 with the Diamondbacks in the top of the fourth inning in the second game of their series. And this, this game is broadcasted nationally on ESPN. After today's game, the Angels have an off day uh, on tomorrow, tomorrow and um, on Thursday, June 21st at 7.07 p.m. Pacific, 10.07 p.m. Eastern. They open up a four-game series against the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, so that's that. Now the LA Galaxy, uh, in the Galaxy's last game, they lost to the Portland Timbers 1-0. Uh, it was June 15th. It was the round of 16 of the U.S. Open Cup. So the Galaxy are eliminated from that. And the Galaxy's next game is Saturday, June 30th at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern against... LA again excuse me against the San Jose Earthquakes LAFC uh, in their last game they beat the San Jose Earthquakes four to three this was on Saturday June 9th uh, their next game is tomorrow actually at 7 30 p.m. Pacific 10 30 p.m. Eastern the round of 16 of the U.S. Open Cup they play the Sacramento Republic FC their next MLS game is Saturday June 23rd at 7 30 p.m. Pacific 10 30 p.m. Eastern against the Columbus Crew now covering the uh, MLS standings, specifically of the Western Conference. The Galaxy are in 8th place with 20 points, and the LAFC are in 3rd place with 24 points. So obviously 3rd third, uh, third through 8th is very close. Uh, now covering, I forgot to cover the uh, standings of the um, MLB. The Dodgers in the NL West are in 2nd place now, moving up. Only a game and a half behind the 1st place Diamondbacks. Uh, four games ahead of the uh, third-place Giants. The fourth-place Rockies are 2-8 and eight in their last 10, not playing well. Uh, the third-place Giants are 3-7 and seven in their last 10, not that good either. The last-place Padres are 5-5, five and five, good enough for 500 in their last 10. The first-place Diamondbacks are 7-3 and three in their last 10. That's pretty solid after they started boosting a lot. And the Red Hot Dodgers, my team, are 8-2 and two in the last 10. That's very good. Uh, the Angels, on the other hand, are... Uh, Still third place in the American League West. Now eight games behind, eight games behind the Mariners for uh, second place, and ten and a half games behind the Astros for first place. At the same time, however, only a game and a half ahead of the Oakland, ahead of the fourth place Oakland Athletics. The third place Angels are three and seven in their last ten. They've been losing a lot lately without Shohei Otani. The uh, last place Texas Rangers are four and six in their last ten. The fourth place Athletics are. Uh, five um, are five and five in their last ten, 
The second place Mariners are cooling off a bit, six and four in their last ten. And the first place Astros, red hot, ten and zero in their last ten. I don't know what's going on with them, but they're on fire. Uh, now switching gears, uh, covering the results and matchups of the 2018 uh, FIFA World Cup. The the results from um, from today. Um, there were three matches today. Uh, in the first match, Japan beat Colombia two to one. That that was a huge, uh, huge upset there. I thought Colombia would win this game for sure, but a red card in the third minute and a penalty for Japan was the difference. In another huge upset, Senegal beat Poland two to one. Both goals for Senegal were fairly lucky, so uh, but they got the job done. And Group H, uh, you know, is wide open now with Colombia and Poland both losing their opening matches. And in the second match for the hosts, Russia, they played Egypt uh, three to they played Egypt and they won three to one. This was surprising to me. I thought Egypt would would win this game. And uh, Russia is now all but locked to move on to the knockout stage after beating Saudi Arabia 5-0. And now Egypt 3-1. They have a goal difference of plus 7. So things are looking great for the host nation. And um, I feel bad for Egypt because they lost um, heartbreakingly to, Ur- to Uruguay um, with uh, without Mohamed Salah. Um, it was a 90th minute header and now they lost to Russia. So they're all but eliminated. So that's an unfortunate uh, end to, his, uh, to Salah's season. And finally covering the... Uh, updated standings of the 2018 FIFA World Cup. In Group A, Russia's in first place with six points. Then Uruguay has three, and Egypt and Saudi Arabia both have zero. In Group B, Iran has three points. Portugal and Spain both have one, and Morocco has zero. In Group C, France and Denmark both have three, and Australia and Peru both have zero. In Group D, Croatia has three. Iceland and Argentina both have one, and Nigeria has zero. In Group E, Serbia has three. Brazil and Switzerland have one, and Costa Rica have zero. Sweden in Group F, Sweden has Sweden and Mexico have three, and South Korea and Germany have zero. In Group G, Belgium and England have three, and Tunisia and Panama have zero. And finally, in Group H, Japan and Senegal have three, and Poland and Colombia have zero. So that's all we have for this episode of Sean Sports. Show. This was episode number ninety-nine. Um, I'm uh, always working to improve uh, my podcast. So let me know what you think. I appreciate the support, and uh, thank you so much for listening. I highly appreciate it.